You are now listening to Ride With Me, the Flat Tyranny Podcast. Welcome to Ride With Me, episode 95. Today is April 8, 2023, and today's guest is our buddy Julian. Julian. Hey, th- yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, such a pleasure to be here. So today's co-host is uh, little Julian. Hi, how are you? My son, Julian. <laughs> the reason why he's on the podcast today is because he read your books. But let's yeah, get. It's uh, such a pleasure to see you both again. It's uh, it's been a minute. So not too long, but yeah, right. So what well, it was? It was what December third when we met you at Comic Con. That's right. Yeah, um, L.A. Comic Con, December of just this last year. Yeah. So we met Julian at the um, convention center Comic Con this past December, and the boys. Um, out of everything I could, I asked them what they wanted. They asked to buy your books. And the one thing my wife says is you never say no to books. So we went ahead and bought your books. Um, Julian here, little Julian here, finished the first book within nine days. And, uh, and, but before we get into your books, I mean, let's get to know you. And I believe you live, you live in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, close enough anyway. It's like the metropolitan Atlanta area. Um, So technically a bit outside of it, uh, the city itself, but um, I've been here for uh, since like 2005 or so. Um, I kind of grew up in different places all over the world, but um, circumstances related to my family and my dad's job kind of led me here. And, you know, it's been nice. So where are you, um, where are you originally from? That's a bit hard to say. Uh, <laughs> if you I'm, don't... Not tr- I'm not trying to be coy. <laughs> I just, uh, I honestly am not quite sure. Um, I mean, I was born in France, but I'm not a French citizen because that's not how it works over there. Um, my dad is Dutch. My mom's American. We just kind of moved all over the place. I lived for a little while in uh, uh, when I was very young in Taiwan and then when I was a teenager in Hong Kong for a brief period. So, so just sort of all over the place. So, yeah, you travel the world, huh? Yeah, um, not by choice, but it definitely <laughs> was an excellent educational experience. I feel like that that shaped me into who I am in a lot of ways that I couldn't foresee. It's actually, it's good to have on your resume though. I mean, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean it, you, you got to meet, uh, well, I got to meet a lot of different kinds of people. Uh, I got to kind of immerse myself in a lot of different cultures, um, learn some different languages. And I think that's why the stories that I write are so, um, well, they, I attempt to have them be very multicultural and inclusive as well, because that's how I grew up. I grew up among many different kinds of people. Um, so that's that, good. That that's impacted good. my personality. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, we we haven't even let what the farthest we've gone is to Texas. <laughs> we haven't got anywhere that far. That's quite a distance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a friend who lives in Texas and uh, America's huge. The U.S. is huge. It's uh, going to Texas. Like you compare that to traveling in Europe, you'll have crossed three or four different borders of uh, countries by then so yeah, we, the, 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 it is impressive the few times we've gone to texas is we actually drove over there so mm. the, the, they, the first time they slept through it second time <laughs> second time no wait second time no i think we went at night as well and they slept right through it the third time i went i'm like i learned from my last from my last mistakes was so i woke up at five left by six because no way going at night is not is not a good thing uh it was funny because on our way home um i was sleep deprived and uh we, we stopped at this one restroom and julian's like dad 
dad dude, like because i'm like do we just have an earthquake he's like dad it's all the caffeine you're on dude <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh you, you got to be prepared from what i hear i haven't driven in that part of the country myself but i hear that road hypnosis especially on those long straight like uh i mean if you're cutting through arizona and new mexico and stuff it's like you know just the long straight desert roads can uh, do a number on your psyche yeah and most of your drive to texas is usually through most of it's arizona so it's like if i leave yeah, like that's right four or five hundred miles of just arizona and then <laughs> the little piece yeah. of mexico new mexico and then you well we, we went to el paso so the moment you hit texas you're kind of there yeah you're kind of right. there but um, so how's uh, Atlanta? Yeah. I mean, I think there's been a couple tornado warnings recently. You guys are okay? Uh, yeah, we're we're good. Thank you for asking. I mean, right where I'm living, at least, I know that some other areas have been harder hit. Uh, just in the past couple weeks, couple months or so, it's uh, it's been pretty rough. We did. I don't usually get worried, but like I got one of those notifications on my phone where it's like, seek shelter immediately. <laughs> Like, find the central room in your house. So I left my two cats, and I ran in the laundry room, which is, like, the most centrally located. And I kind of was, like, holding them between the two, uh, the, like, the washer and the dryer, just for a little extra safety. But uh, And also, we had blankets everywhere. Anyway, it's uh, it's been okay. And uh, last night, I actually woke up at, like, 4 a.m. because I had that alarm go off, and it was, like, tornado warning. So it's, it's unusual to have this many... Um, this often like kind of in a row so that that's been an experience to say the least yeah california's not used to getting all this water that we've been getting this past couple of weeks it's, it's crazy yeah i've heard yeah yeah it's crazy how much water we're getting but um so let's let's talk what got you um what got you into writing that's a yeah that's a good question uh, probably a lot of things um i when I was very young, maybe like six or seven, I the fir- very first things I would do is I, I would kind of doodle and draw like super suits for my friends and, and I. I would like design mecha suits for us and we would imagine that we're like operating these uh, mecha suits and fighting bad guys. Um, so you could say that just from the very beginning, I've always enjoyed like playing through story, right? Creating stories to come up you know, to, to uh, have a good time with friends. And when I turned about, um, I think it was about eight or nine, I tried writing my first short story and I quit after like a few pages. But then when I was about 11, I stuck with it. And uh, I worked on the same book for probably six or seven years, uh, just sort of practicing, getting better, rewriting over and over again. And then I finally published it. And, um, you know, since then I've, I've read a lot of books. I had some great tutors. I went to uh, to school and I studied writing as well. So my my abilities and my craft have, I assume, gotten better. But I'm also um, more confident and more productive. So I don't spend years on one book anymore. I'll, I have an idea, I plan, I execute, and then I, I make it as good as I can, and then I move on to the next thing. Wow. So, so. Er- earlier when you said you were, you are you, I, I got the sense that you're also like a teacher maybe? Am I, am I, is my wife? Yeah, uh, well, I'm I'm a tutor, so um, my wife is the teacher, and she's excellent, uh, and you know, very supportive and and extremely gifted in her field. 
Um, but I'm I'm sort of an after school tutor, so I do things like I work on uh, ELA, SAT, ACT, um, social studies, just sort of a smattering, basically anything that isn't math. Oh, <laughs> that's not my strong suit. <laughs> you and Jojo yeah. just became best friends. <laughs> well, Jojo, I'm to be like clear, <laughs> we yeah, call Jojo. Well, you know, we have we have some things in common, clearly. Um, <laughs> excellent choice and name for one. Uh, I I have nothing against math. I actually enjoy it. I just don't feel confident enough to teach it. So I stick to my areas of expertise, which is, you know, grammar, ELA, uh, you know, critical thinking, logic, that kind of stuff. And that's why I asked the question about you being a teacher or something, because, I mean, I'm assuming that's exactly it is what you teach is grammar and and, in writing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, (laughs) I heard once that if you're, if you're good at something, you shouldn't do it for free, which I don't think is always true. But you should at least, you know, if you if you can have your passion and your abilities converge and make money off of it, then why not? Right. That's right. No, that's, there's there's a lot of people that say the same thing. If you're good at something, don't do it for free. You know, I've been taking photos for over a year now, and I've been doing it for free. <laughs> well, maybe you can leverage that, like turn it into something if you'd like. Well, that's what I was talking to the, the boys. They we went to my uh, we go to my our nieces um well our my niece their cousins uh softball games, t-ball games and I and I'm in the field taking photos of the of the kids of everyone and I share the photos with the my sister in law who shares them with the team moms and everything and and I told I asked the boys you guys gonna bring your cameras they're like no you're the only idiot that likes to do it for free. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. they won't take um, their cameras out. They won't take them. My dad was big into photography as well. I mean, it was his it was his hobby for sure. He could have probably made something out of it, but he was more of a he was a little too focused on his um, you know like legit career. I guess you could say he didn't want to break away from that. And to be fair, he was very successful uh, in his in his line of work. But I got the sense that he always enjoyed. Um, taking photos and he was really good at that too he took some beautiful shots in his day yeah i was telling my wife just earlier like wow i mean the more and more i do this it seems like the more and more i'm getting even better at it and and i've I've been taking photos for over over what now we're looking at 15 20 years i used to work for a photographer and we used to go to quinceañeras and weddings and and pretty much he would tell me, he would call me Weddle because of my skin. Weddle, Weddle, just just snap photos. Just go ahead. And pretty much he taught me to what what they call capture the moment. And uh, mm-hmm. and that's what I do. I took photos at a, at a birthday party one day. And, Smile for the camera. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not here. I'm not here. The cameraman's not here. Just do, go about your business. I'm not here. And that's the way I like to take pictures. I like to, I'm more of a, like I said, capture the moment kind of a photographer. And like the, the kids are playing t-ball and my best i believe the my my best photos are the ones where you can hit them you can see them hit the ball and the ball's still in the air like it's not it's not blurry it's not out of the picture it's it's in the frame and it's the ball is just clear i believe there's a photo that i took and you can see the name they wrote on the ball like that's how still that's how uh, how I capture the photo where you can see the ball. The ball is crystal clear after they hit it, and you can see the per- the family's last name on the ball. Like, okay, I'm getting better. I'm getting That's better. Awesome. I'm getting better. And for yeah. Chris, for Christmas, they all got the boys. Both boys got a camera. Um, 
I bought mine a year ago, but they got theirs this past Christmas, and they see a squirrel outside, and it's like the 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 the, the dog from Up, man. They, squirrel! They go and run and get their camera, and they run outside to try to take this photo of the squirrel. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, true candid moments. There is something to be said for that. Um, yeah. I think those are some of the most beautiful photos. Are the ones where you're not really paying attention to the photographer. That's when you get the real uh, slices of life. Right. Right. So that's that's the one thing this guy did teach me was the whole capture the moment, and I enjoy doing it. And and if 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 I get asked by by another family that says, "Hey, I see you take photos of your nieces. Can you do it for my kid too?" That's the person I'm charging. <laughs> that's the person I'm charging. Yep. You know, friends and yeah, family. Yeah, because you're yeah. Friends and yeah. family know, but if a random person comes and says, "Hey, can you do the same thing for my kid?" I got a cat too, man. <laughs> got to feed it. <laughs> <laughs> Completely agree. Yeah, yeah. So well, then it's fair because then clearly your services are in demand. Exactly. So exactly. So like you said, if you're good at something, don't do it for free. Mm-hmm. So was your was your were your parents a big uh, influence in 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 your life that made you into a writer did they kind of contribute uh yeah for sure uh I'd, I'd say um indirectly and directly depending on the situation like um my mom was very supportive in that uh she would just kind of get me all the books that i wanted i would say these are the books that i'd like she would find them on you know amazon or go to a bookstore or whatever and uh I would. I just had this steady stream of history books and you know fantasy, sci-fi, just whatever I could get my hands on. So I tried to educate myself as much as possible, and she facilitated that. Um, my my dad, I guess, I, I suppose you could say he modeled a work ethic. You know, he he was he's much more uh, on a traditional path than I am, I guess. But he definitely showed me like how to stay focused on a task and see it done. Right. Um, so I would say that that's probably, uh, if I had to point to a main contribution to like how I turned out and why I write and everything, um, they got out of my way and then kind of gave me a nudge. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, these these yeah. kids won't, because biologically my wife's not their, their mom. So when we took mm -hmm. custody of them, the first thing she tried to do was get them to read, and they refused. They hated it. Like my wife would start off with just read it for five minutes, and then that five mm -hmm. minutes led into thirty minutes until it finally hit. Uh huh. Until it finally hit a book that they really loved, and and that was it. Th this guy, right here. What happens every time we go to a store, and there happens to be books in this store? I have to go look if there's anything, if there's anything good. <laughs> Well, even yeah. if it, even if it's, if it's at a thrift store, man, we get to the thrift store, that, and they'll just take off. We were at Target earlier, and they went to where the book sections are at, and yeah, That's they awesome. they used to they used to hate um they didn't like to read and uh, like I said, man, we went to Comic Con and out of all the things that they could have bought, the only thing we bought that day were your books. And we were still in, in Comic-Con. We were still at the event, and this guy was already reading it. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's such a big compliment, first of all. Thank you very much uh, for you know supporting me, for coming to the table, for chatting, um, for having me here today, and for just reading the book. It's, uh, it's all you know like super validating to hear. 
Um, and from the tutoring perspective and coming from a family of teachers on different sides and my wife being a teacher, we're all definitely stoked whenever we hear that that trick, you know, like started off with five minutes. Now it's 30 and now they're reading like multiple books per summer, you know. Um, Dude, I try to do the same thing with my students. I trick them. I'm like, well, just start with 10 minutes a day, you know, and it, one thing leads to another. If you find that right book, if you get them to read varied enough stuff, it really does snowball. And, and at first, I mean, like me, I, I, I didn't grow up really going to school. You know, I wasn't very educated. So I really push education on them as much as possible. The beautiful thing is that I have my wife that's my right hand and or I'm her right hand and and she's the one that you know they have to do this Andy they have to read they have to you know and now it gotten to the point where like hey guys can 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 we go watch WrestleMania can you guys put the book down <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I definitely uh I definitely get that um but you know it's great I that's how I got into writing uh that's another avenue honestly I just read a ton of really good books and I started thinking to myself I would like to do this, but my own version, you know, I, I want to try my hand at it. And I enjoyed the process enough that I just kind of kept rolling with it. What kind of books do you like so, to read? Well, it's a, it's going to be a long list. I'll try to distill it down <laughs> to a few key ones. Buddy, um, you have, you have 40 more minutes to go. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, I'll start at the beginning, I guess, like the, the first ones that I remember reading that had a huge impact on me and now still inform what I like to read today. Um, I started with books like uh, Harry Potter, I think came out around the time when I was nine or 10. Like, so I was about the same age as Harry Potter in the book, so it was a good fit. Um, but then I, uh, from there, I kind of went into other books. My aunt gave me the, this book called uh, A Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula K. Le Guin, if you've ever heard of that one. Uh, no, no bells? Okay, you should read that one. <laughs> What's it called again? <laughs> it's called A Wizard of Earthsea. Earth as in like the planet and then the word sea like ocean. Okay. Um, one word. And it's got magic, it's got dragons, It's it's got a very interesting magic system. And uh, Ursula Le Guin is like one of the great classic uh, sci-fi fantasy writers. Um, so... Definitely recommend her. All right. Uh, let's see. I think um, Lord of the Rings, I, I read together with my uh, my family. You know, my mom and I read that one starting off together. Uh, Philip Pullman, His Dark Materials. They made that into a TV show recently, I think, or they started to. But the book series is excellent. Have you read any of the Percy Jackson books? I have not read them myself, but I do have a lot of students who read them, so I feel like I've read it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've talked about it, and I've worked on it with them in class and stuff so often that I might as well have read it by now. I they but they, they seem really cool. They got me into... I'm, I'm not a reader, dude. Uh, I'm sorry. I, when your book is on... Like, when if I can find the audio version of your book, trust me, man, I'll, I'll get to it. Um, I'm not a reader. And they got me, uh, so I, a while back, I actually had them on the podcast, I think it was episode 50, where the boys are educating me on who Percy Jackson is. So pretty much the whole episode of Percy Jackson, right? And uh, I just barely finished book two after mm -hmm. a year or two years of reading the two books that um, <laughs> this guy told me just earlier today was like, Dad, you, you do understand there's like 19 more books, right? I'm like, 
because he's like when are you gonna start number three i'm like wait you that was it right no there's like 19 more books <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah yeah so i hear it's, um, it's 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 pretty i mean but it's pretty it's what do you call it it's i i even though i'm listening to it on youtube i'm following along with the with the words i feel like following along i mean again for me because if i were to read it I, I i twist words i don't understand it very much it's like um i don't read as fast as you know like the lady on the on youtube she can read a whole chapter mm-hmm. in five minutes that'll probably take me 20 and uh so that's why I started doing that on YouTube, listening to the to the book on YouTube. But I, I, you know, technology and so just this past like two weeks alone, I made it a goal to finish that second book. But then this guy slaps and was like, "There's nine nineteen more." I'm like, "Oh, come on, dude!" One book at a time, though, right? Yeah, I got two uh, done. Don't don't look at <laughs> exactly exactly. If you're trying to get to the top of the mountain, you don't keep looking at the summit. You look at the next the next checkpoint. Right, that's the only way. I read book number three in a year. <laughs> we'll be waiting. Um, you did mention audiobooks, though. I, I should. Uh, I was going to make an announcement pretty soon on social media and stuff, but there is an audiobook in the works. It's going to be, uh, you know, like it's it's officially underway. Um, timeline's a bit sketchy. Like, I mean, we're not going to know for sure because it's just a bunch of us independent artists working together, but definitely within a year at the going rate probably much sooner than that so it's on its way and then maybe you'll get a chance to uh, to see how crazy this story is i was actually thinking about the ones that you already have like if somebody can read them and put the video on youtube that'd be great <laughs> yeah yeah well uh you know i've been, I've been considering it i think for, for this current series that i'm working on i definitely wanted to have um I didn't want to do the voice myself because I didn't feel like that represented the character as well. And I also wanted to give work to a, a different independent artist there that you I go. found because she's amazing. There you go. Uh, yeah. You know, we got to we gotta support each other. Yeah. Um, but for some of my older work, I feel like I could probably do a fairly decent job of narrating it with, with some level of skill. So I've also always wanted to break into voice acting, to be honest with you. There I've you been go. doing like weird impressions and accents and just bad celebrity impressions for, for a long time. So the wife hates when I do Forrest Gump or this, these guys hate when I do Mickey, uh, cause I won't stop. Oh. <laughs> oh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, that one okay, day. <laughs> you gotta drive him crazy now. <laughs> it's okay. Jojo. It's don't, okay, leave, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't uh, leave. I think, okay. I'll, I think I'll excuse myself out. <laughs> Well, I have other ones that are less ridiculous, hopefully, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, one day, I, I don't know, one day we'll get over me and I just, uh, Jenny, and I just started <laughs> just talking like Forrest Gump in the house. And my wife's like, dude, get out. Get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I probably drive my wife insane, too. I, I, I have, like, I can get, like, three or four good lines of practice out when I discover a new impression and I try to give it a, give it some practice. And then three or four lines in, she's like, okay, I done is this the end can we get can we skip to the part where you stop or you go away i'm I'm kidding but uh i imagine that i do exasperate her quite a bit because i do like to play oh yeah i'm sure dude the the, we can drive our wives crazy sometimes and they don't they'll just like they know us by now that if they know we're not if they still don't know we're joking then what's what's going on i told a wife one time like if you don't know i'm joking then we've been together for like 10 years now do you even know me what's going on 
you know right. like 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 earlier my son my son was being a bully to me the older one and i go and i hug my wife and i'm hugging her he's being mean to me right but when she's not looking i'm flipping him off <laughs> <laughs> i don't do that right i don't do that uh, <laughs> sure <laughs> but yeah no it's 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 fun it sounds like you have um a good a good relationship with your wife when it comes down to like you know your sense of humor or she tolerates your yeah. your bs and yes yeah my wife goes I, crazy I, for now yeah <laughs> for now <laughs> <laughs> yeah um no i i think we get along well i we we both like to laugh and uh we have i would say a good sense of humor we don't try to take ourselves too seriously um yeah i used to take myself pretty seriously and and i was a lot less uh, i was a lot uh less happy and easygoing and then i finally learned to calm down a bit and you know life is a joke and humanity is the punchline so we just kind of we roll with it right yeah these kids told me just this morning dad it's okay if we're late that relax relax no we gotta be there we gotta be there so how long have you been married for uh let's see um Uh-oh. 2018 so no I, I know the answer i just <laughs> um, you know math is not my strong suit that's right that's uh, right <laughs> november november 2018 so what's that it's it's just now 2023 um almost five years eight. four and a half yeah four and a half, five yeah that's not bad something like that yeah yeah uh but we've been together since um uh well years before that uh we've been together since 2015 24 late 2014 or early 2015 so it's okay been a while. yeah i met my wife in 2012 we've been married we've been together for 10 years now going on 11 yeah and uh, yeah no she's done well. a good job at helping me raise these guys because i it's funny because i just made the joke this morning they'd be going crazy right now if if it was just me uh, the, the, well, even, uh, yeah do you, i think nick even said what, what do you say this what do you say this morning about uh if it wasn't for mom we would go crazy because you said you wanted to reuse the toothpaste so, <laughs> so they, uh, dude, Julian, man, they go through toothpaste like there's no tomorrow, man. One, two, man. I, so I don't get it. I'm like, so I told them that, I told them that we were gonna start to recycle our tooth, <laughs> toothpaste. <laughs> and the wife's like, that is so freaking disgusting. And then there, the, the other one said, yeah, dad, I'm, thanks, mom, that you're with us because we, this guy would have drove us crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I don't know about recycling the toothpaste, but I've definitely had this conversation with people in my family and my wife where, uh, like, she squeezed from the top or the middle of the tube, and I'm like, it's from the bottom of the <laughs> tube, or else it doesn't all come out. <laughs> come on. See? You know. Toothpaste is a big discussion, family. You know, going on forward, man. Oh, every, yeah. every podcast episode going forward is going to have a toothpaste conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, especially if you use like this toothpaste that our that our dentist has recommended to us, uh, it's more expensive than like your Colgate or whatever. So I, you know, I, I try to be careful and I try to conserve resources when I can, of course. But then, especially when it's like this smaller four ounce tube of toothpaste of like slightly more expensive stuff that's supposed to be good for your teeth i'm like get every every <laughs> right? fluid ounce out of that thing cut it open <laughs> and scrape your tooth <laughs> toothbrush inside <laughs> yeah well for now i'm just kind of doing i do sort of like from the base of the tube and i, I kind of work my finger up and i just kind of smooth it out but there you go. maybe one day i'll i'll go off and uh you know get some scissors involved <laughs> we'll, we'll see well Jojo here, Julian here, little Julian has a few questions for you about your books. Uh, he is waiting for number three. He wants to know if when are you going to have that one? 
ready to go because he is getting a little impatient with you, buddy. Not playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm all for it. I'm here for the questions, uh, and I guess just to answer the question about book three, I'm actively working on it. Things are going along well. Uh, we're we're well on the way to finishing it. Um, I, you know, I'm sort of in the like editing do rewrite phase right now. So uh, that's going to take a bit longer because I'm, I'm taking my time to make sure that I stick the landing on the trilogy. It's probably going to be a little bit longer on this book than the other two just because I don't want to mess it up. And and that's why I told him, Mijo, he puts an update on Instagram every once in a while. He's working on the book, kid. And then when I went, because he, he's the one that got on the on Instagram chat with you and he, t- and he told you about the, mm-hmm. don't, but don't rush it like Game of Thrones, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to clarify, my son's yeah, never yeah, watched uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, I mean, well, and hey, good, because, uh, like, okay, so I, re- I read the first four books in the Game of Thrones series, and they're good, and I remember enjoying them. But then again, I was, like, 14, 15, and 16 when I read them, and I'm still, I didn't read Winds of Winter, which came out several years ago. I just, at this point, I assume that Martin's going to move on from this life before he finishes that series. Right. Um, because he he kind of won, didn't he? Like, why do people become writers? Like, if if you if you have the choice between sitting in your room and writing another book or partying with supermodels and you know being interviewed by the umpteenth number uh, late night show, I can kind of see why he's just sort of dragging his heels. Because You're right. if if it never ends, then neither does the party. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm not interested in partying. I'm interested in finishing stories. That's my passion. So there you go. There you go. Well, then I'm going to give over the microphone over here to little Julian and let him ask your, his questions. Okay, before I start right. my questions, I'm just saying, if someone important dies in the third book, I don't think emotionally I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, we're not yet in the spoiler part of the conversation, I assume, but so I'll, keep it, I'll keep it vague. But I think I know who you're referring to in book two. He's going to have to rewrite his whole book now because of you, dude. <laughs> well, okay, so here's what I'll tell you. Uh, the first book is called The Rave, the second book is called The Rebel, and the third book is called The Ruin. So, Ooh, I can't say that everything is going to work out great <laughs> oh my <God>. for everyone. <laughs> you already made him nervous, dude. <laughs> but I will tell you this, I'm not going to... Uh, you know, art is not the same as life in that in, in life, things can happen randomly, and... Uh, the world in unpredictable and chaotic place, but stories are automatically structured. You know, like regardless of the reason that you pick, you have to have a you have to have a rationale behind the decisions that you make. So, if if a character dies, I can assure you that it will be for very good reason, and it will be done with with all the emotional well handling as possible. Oh, he's not taking. But I'm not that, saying that they do. He's not taking that very well, buddy. <laughs> I'm not saying that anyone that uh, that anyone super important or critical is going to kick the bucket, but I also can't make any guarantees. <laughs> okay, get your book. Sorry. Get your phone, dude. <laughs> okay. My first question is not about the books, but how many cats do you have, and what are their names? Uh, an excellent question. I have two cats currently, uh, and they are a handful. Their names are Charlie and Riddle. Um, Charlie is an orange kind of tabby cat that my wife had before she met me. And her requirement for us working out as a couple was that Charlie approve of me. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I met Charlie and it was, um, it was 
I mean, you know, I have a way with cats. I think they like my kind of quiet personality and I, I let the cats come to me. You know, that's my trick. I'm like, all right, here you are. I'm just going to sit down here. You come to me. I'm not going to go after you and like bother you in your space. Right. So Charlie and I came to an understanding where we're sort of like the co-alphas of the house. And that's the, <laughs> that's the, uh, the negotiation that we made so that I could date my wife and eventually marry her. Um, <laughs> And then the, my other cat's name is Riddle. She is uh, Riddle, R-D, uh, sorry, R-I-D-D-L-E. Um, and she's one that we got together. Uh, I, I chose the name Riddle because she always has her head kind of tilted to the side as if she is contemplating life's great mysteries. <laughs> she's a calico cat. Wow. Okay. My first question about the books. Book number one questions. Why? <laughs> The first book was a roller coaster of emotions, and the second one was just worse. <laughs> okay. okay. I'll take that as a compliment. That's why he said, why? <laughs> <laughs> All right, question okay. number two. Okay, now, real question. <laughs> why did her grandfather have to be the bad guy? Okay. Why did her grandfather end up being the bad guy? We specify her. Uh, Alina's grandfather. There you go. Yeah, so the the main character. Um, well, uh, you know, I get. I guess you probably get to see a bit more of that in book two, right? You yeah. get to sort of see the unraveling of the mystery of what's really going on behind their relationship. Um, and I, I, I'm allowed to talk about spoilers now. We're in the spoiler section, yeah, right? We're in the spoiler part of the podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, just just making sure. Uh, so in book two, you learn that her grandfather really isn't her grandfather at all, right? Yeah. They're, they're sort of like split off uh, chunks of the same being. Like, you know, you had an original being that reincarnated multiple times over the course of thousands of years. And then her the latest incarnation, Dimas Kavich, um, split off a piece of his soul uh, to create what would become Alina, right? Like sort of like a piece of his soul inside of um, a human body. So that's sort of preamble to say the reason that he's the, the villain, if you will, or, or maybe more accurately, the manipulator of events, the cause of the conflict is uh, he has goals and objectives concerning New El and the elemental empire. He has an interest in seeing that destroyed yeah. Um, which you get a bunch of uh, in book two, but you're going to get even more of the reasoning behind that in book three and the escalation of that conflict. But he has his reasons and he sort of had a plan originally before Alina was born, if you will. He had this organization that he was running to essentially embed um, resistance fighters or terrorists in like all different parts of the country to eat the, the empire apart from the inside out. But at some point after Alina was born, he started to soften a little bit. He, something about their relationship and the consequences of, you know, the deaths of people that he cared about and their, their, you know, their, their relationship again, I guess, um, changed him. And it made him, it, for lack of a better term, more human. And so he he changed his plans. Instead of it being him who was going to take down the empire with like sword and fire, he decided to pass the reins to Alina 
he decided to create this kind of elaborate plan to get her involved so that she could take over. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so he he read the book. It makes more sense to him than it does to me. He's lost. I, I'm, right. I'm, I'm yeah. done. I'll see you guys later. You guys finish podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet as soon as I was like, ah, it's the same being, multiple incarnations, thousands of years. And and, and no. like, okay, man. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... It's all about trust, you know, like I would say that one of the recurring themes in the series is trust between people who care about each other. And um, Dimas doesn't really have the will to finish his plan the way that he originally intended. So he decides to give it over to Alina and see what she'll do with it. And it's interesting because he both is her and raised her and is him and was raised by him. So it's sort of like a larger theme of the soul coming back together again, if, if you will. Yeah. That's all very complicated and, and whatever hoopla. But <laughs> I'd say the main takeaway is like, to answer your question, he changed his mind. Alina changed him and he decides to have faith in her. Yeah. But he manipulated her way up to the tower in order to test her, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, now they're only so, a topic about Alina. Is she even like part human? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, technically, yes, there is part of her that is human, which is her body. Yeah. So in in the second book, it is a little bit complicated, but what ends up happening is the the nature of the creature that she is, that her grandfather is. They're sterile; they can't have children, or at least they try, but the children don't ever survive. Mm -hmm. That's a better way to put it. So Dimas created two children using magic. He kind of like artificially created by chunking off a piece of his soul, different versions of himself. Um, and then he did the same thing with Alina, but the difference is that for Alina, he didn't make her from scratch. His Dimas's daughter, Alina's mother, tried to have a child with a human man, and that child died before it turned one year old. Yeah. And that child was named Alina. But when the real human Alina died, Dimas was so heartbroken for his daughter, quote-unquote daughter, that he put a piece of his soul into the dead child and turned her into what she is today, right? A fraction of himself with the human body that continued to grow as if it was human. But that's where her mutations come from in the, in the first book. He's got, like, stuff on her arm, the feathers popping out. It's her her elf soul breaking through her human body. That makes sense. So she's half human, half, half elf? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, she's, she is, her body is human, but her spirit, her, her soul, her animus, and all of her magical powers come from the fact that she's a, she's a magical entity. So oh. the body is human, so that half of her is human, but the soul part of her is um, inhuman. I should have read these books. Should have. <laughs> <laughs> it's it can be pretty trippy, but that's I, just how I roll. It's interesting. All right, go All for right. it. Next question. Next question. Did you really have to kill Orden? <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, well, let me fire off a question for you back, just to just to see, uh, uh -oh. and then I'll answer. I promise. But uh, what did you think of Ivian? Ivian Orden's quote unquote sister. Oh. Well, she wasn't really mentioned in the first book, and then in the second book, it was just crazy. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's a bit of the focus. Well, uh, this is sort of, it pops up in one of the later chapters, but um, since we're spoiling, here we go. Uh, Orden is Ivian. Yeah. Ivian is Orden. So Orden dies in book one. In his book. I mean, he does legitimately die. But there is a facility in the country somewhere, a secret um, computer, like supercomputer farm, where the most powerful, influential, and rich people can resurrect inside of bodies that they uh, can, can clone or construct. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So this comes up again more in book three, like more details about that facility will be made clear. Won't talk about that, but I'll say that Ivian being like coming from a trillionaire family, Orden, uh, well, I should say Orden really, because that's who it is. Orden, when he died, he saw an opportunity. He decided to kind of throw his sister, his real sister in a bunker so she couldn't reveal the truth. And then he took on her identity so that he could, number one, manipulate Alina in book two, and number two, further his ambitions, but without any of the kind of baggage of being Orden. Because mm-hmm. Orden, his identity was sort of compromised. There were people inside of the Sanctum who wanted him dead. There were people inside of the government who ordered the Sanctum to kill him. So instead, he decided to switch to a new identity, but one that he knew very well and could easily um, imitate. So for us so, dummies, he killed some person to become another. So he killed himself to, to in a way. Yeah, like he in, in the first book, he gets crushed by a giant mechanical dragon. Like he just gets flattened like a pancake, and uh, it's a whole thing. <laughs> All right, just making and, sure um, the, the Raven, right? Is it the, the, the Rave? The Rave. The Rave. I need the Rave for Dummies book written, and I need the what is it? The number two? The Rebel. The Rebel book for Dummies yeah. as well, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll get on it, yeah. Uh, so so Orden gets crushed, right? And then what he does, what's revealed in the second book, is that he, um, he, with the way that he frames it, he brought his sister into a secret safe location. But we're never really sure if he didn't just go ahead and kill her. He's definitely capable of doing that kind of thing because he's proven himself to be ruthless and a manipulator. Yeah. So... Is up he, to you is, to decide. Is Big Julian lying or is he on point? No, he's on point. All right. Pretty suspicious. <laughs> Pretty suspicious, he says. <laughs> Speak up. All right. Okay. What made you come up with the idea of New L being built in the sky? That's a very good question. Okay. Uh, let's see. So I wrote a book on writing uh, a few of them, actually. I'll drop the name of one that I thought was particularly good. It's uh, It's called... The Anatomy of Story. I always talk about this book. I should really get like some sort of a sponsorship kickback from this guy. <laughs> but, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Anatomy of Story by John Truby. The last name is T-R-U-B-Y. And one of the things that I found very interesting about that book was talking about oppositions. So think about Alina versus Baram. Baram is like her adopted older brother and the number one most impressive uh, monster hunter in the world. Mm-hmm. And then Alina is unlicensed and unrecognized and like, you know, not even on the record anywhere. Like no one takes her seriously versus Baram. Everyone takes him seriously. So they're opposites in that way. I promise I'm getting to the point. (laughs) (laughs) But so they're also opposites in the sense that Baram literally does sky magic and Alina literally does earth magic. 
right? Earth and sky. Yeah. And so Newell is built in the sky. One thing I thought it would be cool to have like a floating miniature planet with skyscrapers poking at all out in all directions with artificial gravity. And then the chains, I just thought like, well, wouldn't that be sweet? But thematically, the reason that Newell is in the sky is to further the division, right? Alina is earth-based. Baram is sky-based. The enemy lives in the sky where they are powerful and they can see everything. Alina is an ant walking around, the underdog, right? It's just to further that um, symbolic and thematic difference. But if I'm really being honest, the first reason was like, how do I make a, a chained floating planet city super cool? Like, I just thought that would be a cool thing to have and uh, a good attention grabber. But That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, these are book two questions now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My favorite character, Mezumi. He was he was the coolest. And then he had to die. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, sip of water. Let me think. <laughs> you got him, Jojo. You got him, Julian. You got him, Jojo. <laughs> no, I. Um, okay. I do have an answer for this. All right. So. Um, I don't know first read about this, but the rule of thumb, uh, and I talked to, I talked with my friend about this too, my writer friend, um, Silas Jackson, very good writer. I can talk more about his work at some point too, but he and I always talk about, you know, what feels right, what's good for the story. And we both agreed that the only way that you can assassinate a character is if they, <laughs> if mouth, there is, his jaw just <laughs> dropped, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm <laughs> I'm going a bit over the top on purpose, but the only way when it's acceptable to kill a character is if if they have like you would never just do it for shock value. You can only do it if that thing is vital to the story and if everything else that they could possibly have achieved afterwards as themselves is um not more valuable than their death, right? So that's a that's kind of a weird way of saying this. Mezumi is one of my favorite characters too. And I actually cried when I killed him because <sighs> I well, it it hurt, you know, he was he was the comic relief, he was amusing, he was heartfelt, he was probably the best person in their whole team, you know? Yeah. Like in terms of like his morality, his decency, his kindness. He always looked out for everyone else. But that's the thing, right? What happens when you eliminate part of a group, when you eliminate moral center or the, the person who's just always going to be fundamentally good, the paragon, the paladin? When you kill that person, you drive the other characters to action, vengeance, you know, the, the pursuit of the end. That is the thing. Like, Mezumi's death is the reason that Alina and Cho and all the other characters fight, right? They probably would have given up. They don't, I don't think they would have taken on the challenge in quite the same way. Cho, maybe not, at least, because Cho was kind of, like, backing away from the fight after what happened to her friend Kinius and after what happened to some of the other people who she forced with. Mm -hmm. She was starting to see that the people around her were suffering and dying. But then when Mezumi died, that was a straw too far. She knew who to blame. She knew who was responsible. And she decided that she was going to do something about it. So I did not 
write Mezumi's death in there just to create the shock value, although it probably is shocking when it happens. And <laughs> that's just a bonus, I guess. I right? like almost cried. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm, you know, it's very touching to, to hear that because it, it validates me and it, it makes me feel um, like I must have done something right if you cared enough about him to find it made an impression when he was killed. Um, and it's supposed to, right? You know, it's supposed to be meaningful. Yeah. This guy multiple times, Dad. This book is an emotion, an emotional roller coaster, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll I'll just summarize by saying this. Um, nothing I ever do is done lightly. I I actually agonized about it. I was talking with my friend Silas. I was talking with other people, like my my very close, uh, you know, like alpha readers, if you will. And I was saying, does it make sense? And they all came back with the same answer, which is, you, you suck, but we understand. <laughs> right? Wow. So, like, that's kind of what you want with the death of a character. If, if, it, if it's a character like that, not a villain, like a main character, you want people to think, I hate you, but I understand why you did that. I understand what that does for the story. What do you think? So hopefully you'll get some of that. What do you think, Jojo? So sad. So sad. <laughs> He's still not agreeing it's with you, fair. man. He's not agreeing with you, dude. <laughs> I'll take my lumps. Yeah. Uh, if it's worth any consolation, um, he's not fully dead because he's inside of Alina's being. Right? Yeah. So, you know, there are some workarounds potentially there because yeah. if you recall, Dimas was able to split his soul. Mm -hmm. And... Mezumi lives inside of Alina's soul now. So. so so, what Julian is saying to you, Jojo, is that too bad so sad you already bought the books. <laughs> no refund. <laughs> no refund. Exactly. Yeah, all sales final. <laughs> Are you any other questions for him? Yeah. Uh, how do you pronounce what Alita's, Alina's grandfather was? Like his name? Oh, or uh, like what? When yeah, he was the, the monster. Yeah, the species name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Talagan Bubak. Oh yeah, I would have never guessed that. It's <laughs> it's inspired by some uh, some Eastern European um, names and, and languages that I was looking at because the flavor of Dimas's creature, you know, the the old man in the swamp, you know, the basically like the male version of a witch. Um, it's meant to be very reminiscent of you know like Romanian legend and you know maybe a little bit of Hungarian mixed in there, so. I chose some kind of like fantasy syllables that would fit in with that, if that makes sense. So yeah, Talagan Bubak. Mm, okay, we're gonna make that into a ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what else you got, buddy? I think, I, think I ran out because he explained that one. He explained the tenth one I had. What was the tenth one? Uh, the plot twist with Orden, which is at the end of the second book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I did kind of cover that in passing. Um. Well, let's see. Was there anything else to say about that? Oh. Orden secretly his sister. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, that's just Good surprising. I did not expect that at all. Good. I'm glad. I was a bit worried. You know, I. I mean, maybe worried isn't the right word, but I. I try. Like, I always try to layer in hints so that you can go back and be like, "Wait, I knew it," but I didn't want to have it be so obvious that you would guess it right out of the bat, right off the bat, rather. Yeah, like in the. In the second book, when she when Alina ran into the the girl and like I forgot what her name was, I forgot what, what name her was, um, but when she saw, when Alina first met her in the first book at the preening precock, P 
Peacock. Oh, um, Vesa. Vesa yeah. Hardrop. Yeah. Yeah, I was like... That sounds familiar. Familiar, and then I went to the second book, and that's when I found it. I was like, "Oh, that's where she's from." Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, yeah, Vesa, very another another very important character. Um, yeah, I, I layered it in there so that, like, it really doesn't matter if you remember her at all, because clearly she remembers Alina, and Alina doesn't remember her very much. But at, at first, at least, yeah, or pretends not to. But I, I try to leave in little breadcrumbs like that too. When I'm writing the next book in the series, I always go back to the previous ones to try to like pick out little things that I want to keep keep the thread going. So yeah. So you're you're talking to the guy that 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 puts you through this emotional roller coaster, dude. He's all yours, Jojo. Get him. <laughs> Get him. Well, it's yeah, technically speaking, I can take it. We're on the phone. I can't do anything oh, physically. Dad. <laughs> Well, that's, uh, you know, I, and I'm very grateful by the sound of it. I should be. Um, but, you know, there, there, are, there are other ways that you could tackle me. And I'm, I'm a tough guy. You can t I can take it. I, I'm, I'm here for the commentary, the criticism, all above. So Just just talk to Julian about what you were going to Talk to, you know, Julian, Julian, little Julian. Talk to big Julian about what you were going through when you, as you were reading the books. How many, did I, 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 I saw him in tears at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like yeah something good would happen and then something terribly wrong would ruin it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you gotta kind of like what is a story if not just a series of failures right before the characters ultimately succeed or fail finally and die right like i mean that's basically what a story is like character wants to go to the uh to the store to get milk but a bunch of obstacles get in the way. In a short story, maybe one or two obstacles get in the way. In a novel, maybe 10 or 15. So it's really just like the, the, the basic framework of a story is how much can you mess with your characters. And I'm a big fan of making my characters' lives as difficult as possible, as you probably have noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my so, question My yeah. question is the font size. Why did you go from a bigger font size to a very tiny font si fonts? size aha yes i can comment on this well not by choice i will tell you that i don't mean to throw amazon under the bus I'm, uh -oh. I'm kidding i definitely do mean to you know come at me bezos i'm, I'm all fine <laughs> i'm just kidding don't come at me i Please. doubt you'll listen to this little podcast bro don't worry about it i got like 20 people download that's it man. don't worry about it <laughs> well but what if one of those 20 people knows a guy who knows a guy uh, <laughs> right but no, I mean, like, you know, to be to be perfectly honest, the, the hardware um, restrictions are such that you cannot go above a certain page count on the hardcover. So I had to make some tough choices, like the hardcover for the Rebel doesn't have the glossary, even though the paperback does. And then I had to ratchet the font size down to um, just under a 10, like between a 9.5 and a 10, just to be able to make that page count. And the margins are pretty slim. Um, you definitely need your your bifocals on to be able to handle it, but I I made the choice uh, just because I wanted to have the hardcover available for people who wanted that collector set on their shelves, and um, and yeah, that's basically the short answer. Amazon restrictions, or else I definitely would have ramped it up so and had a bigger. So you had to have a certain page limit, like really? Yeah, yeah, and, and actually, the paperback of the Rebel also is like two pages under the page limit for a paperback. Wow. So, yeah. So um, when are you going to make a book where the font's like this big for like a guy like me? 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I guess you can you can uh, putz around with the um, the ebook settings. Then there they have the nice feature of being able to expand and contract the text, which is great. Right. Um, but I've had to keep this in mind for the third book. I was going to make it lengthwise between the rave and the rebel anyway. But now I, you know, I just have one more good reason to keep it keep it tight because if I made it any longer, I would not be able to publish with them. Uh, okay. Yeah. That explains the font. So. Yeah, like the first one took me only nine days to read it. The second one took like two months. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? It's deceptive because they're the same size on the shelf, but then because of the font size, you're like, my God, these pages are so much denser. <laughs> like, it's like even though they're the same number of pages, the hardcover versions, at least. Uh, the hardcover version of the rebel has um it's about a hundred thousand words longer than the first one to or to put that in perspective it's the first book is a hundred and sixty thousand words long the second one is two hundred and seventy thousand words mm. but they're the same size on the shelf so that makes a difference yeah yeah that's the, that's yeah. the one thing he complained a couple of times dad this is this font still, one page takes for like three days to read <laughs> yeah well hey uh you know more bang for your buck, more more bang per page content, I guess. You could look at it that way. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, I hear you, and I definitely would do it differently if I had the option. Hmm. He he really did enjoy your books. Like I said, I, I would watch my son read read your books multiple times. And, and when he would mention something, the older one would be like, shut up, dude, because he hasn't read them yet because he's been waiting for this guy to finish them off so that he can start it. But he's reading a book right now. He says, once I'm done with this one, I'm going to start – your, he's gonna start your first one but every time awesome. this guy would say something that's why he's not here because he doesn't want any spoilers <laughs> yeah 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 and uh this yeah be a, uh, yeah he uh, and he doesn't listen to my podcast anyway anyways if, if it's taylor swift's not on my podcast he will not listen and um yeah he he would mention something you, no, 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 no. i don't want to hear it. i don't want to hear it but no i i saw my i saw little julian here pretty much read the book with excitement he does this thing with his hands when he gets all excited you know when he's reading something and then you see him like all down and what happened mijo this guy killed someone you know <laughs> but you really had him you really had, and 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 for the past what i'm gonna say month and a half dad when's the third one i don't know but guess what we're gonna have on the podcast you ask him <laughs> yeah well i you know uh, thank you so much for for the compliment. Uh, I really appreciate it, Julian. I'm I'm glad that you enjoy. Um, you know, that's honestly like why I do this. I I write because I want to connect with people, and I want to I want to give them the experience that I got out of, uh, and that I still get out of reading just a very good book. I, I my dream is to write something that people can turn to and say you know like that that it meant something to them that's that's my purpose in life so uh it's just nice that that you that you liked it you know i what can i say it's very um very kind of you to say yeah they were really good books it's just like that's crazy <laughs> thank you yeah um and I, you know i'm working on the third one and i can promise you this you'll be among the very first people to know as soon as i know when it's coming out i will shoot you guys a message for sure so you're you're on the list of priorities yeah i told my dad the second the uh the second third one comes out you're buying it (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. And maybe we can work out a way to get you a signed copy. I Ooh. think through Amazon, I'd have to like ship it to myself first and then to you, but we can probably uh make that happen but, but if, he, if that's of interest to you but you've made my son so happy with these books that he the, my son the julian little julian here is not an excited person excited person to come on my podcast i i've begged him in the past to come on the moment i told him you were going to come you were going to come on uh he he's been so excited ever since he don't let this fool this face fool you but he's been <laughs> excited and uh he, i'm like boy you gotta have questions for him you gotta have questions for him, and he was like, uh, 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 "I'm like, you can't. Every question can't be about somebody dying, man. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be creative." But every question was. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, hey, those are the big moments for sure. So you know, I, 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 I'm gonna, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for entertaining my son with with your two with your books, and obviously, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. Where you know, I, I don't care to pay extra to ship it to your house and then have it shipped back to my house. Just so he can have that same copy, because eventually, I'm getting my money back. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a long-term investment, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, no. Again, man. Like I said, man, I, I want to thank you for for entertaining my son. Thank you for for coming to my podcast. I mean, usually I just talk to people they want to come on here and vent. And today I thought I'd change it up a little bit and talk to somebody who, you know, has kind of in a way been a part of my kids' lives with with his books and. Uh, and like I said, I, I just I thank you for what you <laughs> did for him, you know, in a way. Well, it, it was such a pleasure to to talk to you both. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't get to often have a conversation about you know like why did this happen or whatever because <laughs> you know I'm I'm still just kind of a no name author for sure. But uh, uh, it's it was such a treat to to talk to you both. I really enjoyed it, and um, and again, you know, just. Thank you so much for the compliment, for having me. Um, and I'm just honestly so thrilled that you liked it and are excited about the third book. It really, it makes my week. And uh, I will deliver you a product that is worthy of the wait. Wow. You hear that? Yes. Thank you. No, it's the thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, Julian, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for sitting down and talking to my son. And like I end every podcast, thank you for writing with me. It's my pleasure. Thank you both again for having me. Um, and yeah, uh, I guess if uh, if anyone does find me out in the wilderness as a result of this, uh, always feel free to reach out. Um, I, I love talking with people about writing, reading my books, whatever the case may be. Um, and if anyone does find my books, The Rave or The Rebel in the Wilderness, they want to operate. That's all super helpful because we're an indie operation. And uh, as I always say, you know, every review leads more cool, cool people like you guys to me, and that helps me pay for cat food. And cat food doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you for being on. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ride With Me, the Flat Tyranny podcast. You can also listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean.